You're listening to Ghost Radio, Station 0.5. It's the devil in the dive, and up next is another rad episode of Bad Band, Great Song. It wasn't as grossly or orally offensive as I was expecting it to be. It was blander. It was far blander than that's, I ever expected it to be. We're talking the about Greg but, Alexander touch. That's the Greg <laughs> like literally, that's what he added to the song. Like th- this is exactly it. Like, he added a negative element, which actually took yeah, something yeah. away from it. Took away all discernible, definable, interesting qualities for the fuck. <laughs> he added a blandness to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, good call. Yes, good good move there on the thing that by these we have hit record and we're talking. So by the way, folks at home, if you don't know what we are talking about is of course the uh, he co-wrote that? Greg Alexander Co he co-wrote that? I I don't know the I I here, let's see what it says. Oh man, we didn't this is a good this is a good this is a strong way to start the episode. Yeah, like co-wrote it says Julian co-wrote with Greg Alexander. Oh man, Jesus fucking Christ! Well, that's why it just sounds like wankery. That explains a lot right there. So fucking weird. Wow. Well, so there you go, folks. The Strokes featuring, uh, essentially, is it even the Strokes or is it actually just Julian Casablancas and Greg Alexander? It's the Strokes. (sighs) (sighs) You know what? You know, Jerry. You know who would have never done this? Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain and Nirvana never would have recorded a song co-written by Greg Alexander. And we're having fun here, folks. We're having fun here to start the show. And speaking of that show, we should probably get into it. So hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that will piss you off. This is, as always, Bad Band. Great song. Yeah. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Where this is real now. I am your host, Andrew Patrick Finelli, and with me is your other host of the show and my friend, Jeremy Cohen. Jerry. How you doing? How you been? Well, the band we're focusing on today is POD and their song, Alive. I feel so alive for the very first time. I can't deny it. You know, is it I, deny it or deny you? It's. I think it's deny you. I think and, it's way more personal than it. Yeah, I think yeah, it's deny, yeah. I can't deny you. I can't deny you. Oh man, alive. We'll, well, we'll get into the who that you is. Yeah, we will get into the. the, the <laughs> We're going to get into a lot of that. We're going to get into that you hard. Mm. Anyway, Alive, folks. Alive is the soaring and galvanizing lead single off of P.O.D.'s commercial breakthrough and sophomore major label album, Satellite. Now, P.O.D. had hits before Alive with Southtown and Rock the Party off the hook, which was very successful on MTV's legendary Total Request Live. Southtown sucks so (laughs) bad. (laughs) 
It's just like this terrible wiki wiki <laughs> DJ rock song. It's a lot of the wickety wickety. It honestly sounds like um, Kid Rock. Yep, and the worst elements of Sublime. Right. Just over and over and over again. But Alive is the song that truly catapulted P.O.D. to stardom. Yeah, they had, you know, other hits and stuff. But Alive is the song that kicked the door down, got their foot in the door. It is the song that, that carries an overtly positive message, free of any doubt, danger, and any unexpected turns. It's a very predictable song. And it's a song that seeks to spread love. Oh, no, indeed. And with P.O.D. being a Christian band. That's right, folks at home. I don't know if you knew that, but P.O.D. is a Christian band. And with them being a Christian band, it's easy to say that this song is all about God. And it is. But it is also inspired by a moment singer Sonny Sandoval shared with his, at the time, infant daughter. A moment we'll get into later. But suffice to say, he felt alive. Nothing See, like huh? having a child to inspire some really good songwriting. Yeah, or or or, or losing a child. Our boy, our boy, sleazy E, slow hands. Eric Slapton <laughs> knows about it. A casually racist anti-vaxxer motherfucker. Oh yeah, he said. Yeah, did you see? Whatever. He just keeps saying and doing tons of bad things from 1976 on. He's a dumb motherfucker. Uh, Ehrlich, if you happen to be listening to this, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> Literally, you, none of your music sucks. All of your music sucks. None of it's good. Anyway, get out of here, man. <sighs> we're not... We're not... <laughs> We're not even done introducing them. Oh, Eric just keeps coming in fucking things up. All right, listen, man. There are many people. We're going to get through this. There are many people who will vehemently disagree. But to myself and many others, POD is a bland band, a generic band, non-essential listening. Dare I say, they're on the spectrum of bad. Yeah, well, you know, Charles Manson was also on a spectrum of bad. I, I actually, some of his music is pretty decent, man. I thought. Yeah, I guess more, I was meaning more as like a person. <gasps> oh, he is yeah, definitely, get it. I, I guess. I thinking of the music. Yeah, he is, I guess. Yeah. I was just, I was just talking about the spectrum of bad, you know, from like Dr. Evil. To Charles Manson. To Charles Manson and Jeff Bezos, you know. And Jeff <laughs> <laughs> and yeah PO, well, so but POD is on that spectrum is all we're trying to say not too far on that spectrum but they're on that, on spectrum, that spectrum somewhere exactly. and people yeah. may disagree with that but that's going to be our stance throughout the show that while POD is not as bad of a person as, a, <laughs> as Charles Manson is as a person they're pretty bad but as always, while we do look at that, we're not concerned so much by proving to the true believers that their favorite band, P.O.D., is bad. We're looking to appeal to the skeptics regarding the greatness of their song, Alive. It's like dedicating a whole pod to the one good thing Charles Manson did. <laughs> yeah, which is some of his music. Right, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so, you know. You know? <laughs> oh, but that's maybe another episode. Oh, that'd be fun, actually. But today, we're going to examine P.O.D. and the song Alive in detail to articulate how and why to make the case that though P.O.D. may be a bad band, Alive is a great song. So, let's get into segment two. 
POD's story starts in San Diego, California, between uh, somewhere in 1991-1992 area. Drummer Noah Wolf Bernardo and guitarist Marcos Curiel would get together and jam. They'd play music, sometimes operating under the name Escatos. As Escatos, they started playing at keg parties, doing Metallica and Slayer cover songs. And actually now there's a Latvian six-piece post-black metal band called Escatos. That's E-S-C-H-A-T-O-S, and you can find their stuff on Bandcamp. It's actually very awesome, and I suggest everybody at home go listen to that at escatoslv.bandcamp.com. Yeah, they're actually super rad. It's really worth checking out. Yeah, they actually are. Anyway, but you know, back to something a little more Christ-like. When soon-to-be singer Paul Joshua Sonny Sandoval was just 18, his mother was diagnosed with leukemia. During her ultimately fatal battle with the illness, Sonny was inspired by his mother's devout Christianity. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to give away how I feel about all this, folks. Anyway, uh, it is during this time when Sonny officially converted to Christianity. Nothing like a death to to bring you closer to God. Yeah. Yep. It's a good reason as any. That and, like, I guess, you know... Trying to show people you're on the straight and narrow and you've, you know, right. repented for things you've done bad. And it is a good job of covering things up. It's a good tool for that bullshit situation. Anyway, Escatos had grown into the proto-POD, Enoch, featuring drummer Wolf Bernardo, guitarist Marcos Curiel, and bassist Gabe Portillo. But they needed a vocalist. Bernardo, seeing his cousin Sonny under extreme duress, reached out to Sonny and suggested he joined their band, Enoch. So at that moment, P.O.D., <laughs> or Payable on Death, was now officially a band. Not Puddle of Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> thank you for clarifying. Not Puddle of Dirt. Although, yeah. Puddle of Mud. Puddle of mm. Mud. Well, that's where I'm getting mixed up. Mm. That, that may be an episode one of these days, Jeremy and folks at home. A little dirt and water. A little dirt and water. Oh, (laughs) that that sounds fun. Anyway, after recording a demo, original bassist Gabe Portillo was replaced by their longtime and current bassist, Trey Daniels. Now, P.O.D. being a, go with me on this, folks, being a deceptively overtly Christian band, they signed to a Christian label, Rescue Records, a label created by drummer Wolf Bernardo's father, Noah Bernardo Sr., who was also the band's manager, first manager. Who've worked with no other notable artist. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't exactly have an esteemed roster of acts. It is not the back catalog of CBS or, you know... <sighs> The majors. The majors, yeah, exactly. The majors. (laughs) Well, (laughs) on this not-major label, after releasing two studio albums and a live album on Rescue Records, Essential Records offered P.O.D. a $100,000 recording contract, but the band turned it down, with Sonny telling their new and primary manager, Tim Cook, quote, 
God has a bigger plan for POD. <laughs> Who told him that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, God, God came to him one night and was like, Sonny, right. we've got plans for you, kid. I don't know. I, I, the balls on the sky, like a $100,000 offer. And you're going to say, God has a bigger plan for us. And, and you know what, as we'll see later, this may indeed be some total BS because story writing for POD is a thing. They, they tend to be a band that over attributes a lot of purposeful, highly calculated things to God. That's just what they do. God as a plan is a very good way of, you know, wax on, wax off. It's like, hey, this just happened because God has a plan. We'll see God has a lot of fucking plans when it comes to POD. <sighs> Sorry, we're getting, I, these, I'm going to be getting hung up on these things and I'm going to try not to get hung up on these things. We'll get you hung off at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my judgments aside, that gamble did pay off because by 1999, they were signed to Atlantic, definitely getting a lot more than $100,000, and had released their certified platinum major label debut, The Fundamental Elements of Southtown. So with this album, they cemented their lore. It was an MCU-style definitive <laughs> and big... You like that for a cultural yeah, reference? Yeah, yeah. yeah. great. <laughs> It was an MC. We're really making great content here, Jeremy, you and me. We're just doing amazing things. It go. was an MCU-style definitive and big screen introduction to the masses of an IP as you should come to know it. It, sets the, it set the stage for the actual breakthrough to come, Satellite. Satellite was released on... <laughs> Satellite. <laughs> Satellite was released on September 11th, 2001 back back when music was released on tuesdays actually um and what's wild is there's quite a other a few other notable albums released on that day uh mariah carey's glitter fabulous's ghetto fabulous wow jay-z's the blueprint wow which you know for new york huge was a big one there's a Slayer record, a Bob Dylan album that probably wasn't good. I don't remember this one. Dream Theater, Moldy Peaches, Damian Marley, and your favorite, Nickelback. Oh, Nickelback, you say. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm excited when I get all ASMR. Nickelback. Nickelback. Nickelback might be an episode, folks. I'm sorry <laughs> for everybody who was deeply un upset by that. I don't know what you might have been upset more by uh, my vocals or the fact that Nickelback will eventually be an episode because it will. Folks at home, sorry to let you know. Unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. Hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> well, the album Satellite to this day is POD's greatest accomplishment. It dominated the charts in a way that no other P.O.D. album ever has. It is certified triple platinum here in the U.S., platinum in Canada, and gold in Australia, <laughs> Germany, and Sweden, uh, and the U.K. It's P.O.D.'s last album to go platinum. That's the other, that's, that's the other thing about 
about that whole platinum thing. It's the last album to go platinum. Anyway, Satellite was a monstrous, monstrous success for the band, but not all was well in the house of P.O.D. You see, in 2003, founding member, songwriter, and guitarist Marcos Curiel was ousted from the band. Though the band, because God has a plan! Though the band immediately went to the media saying Curiel left of his own accord. Uh. Yeah, funny how that goes, right? How about that? The band says Curiel leaves of his own accord. (laughs) How convenient. Well, the drama would be ultimately short-lived, folks. I don't want you to get too nervous here. But, 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 But the immediate fallout was fiery. And at the time... And, and certainly now, actually, severely calls into question the authenticity of P.O.D.'s squeaky clean Christian veneer. As a 2003MTV.com article states in, uh, and then, <laughs> in a quote, uh, email to fans, which I just... Oh, I miss emails <laughs> from, from bands. Yeah, yeah. That was such a nice, that no, was a nice thing to get. No, well, that doesn't happen enough anymore. That personalized email to fans. Yeah. In 2003, singer Sonny Sandoval was sending them. And, so, <laughs> <laughs> and in this email sent to fans, Sonny Sandoval stated that Curiel had left POD to, quote, pursue his own vision apart from POD. Because of your loyalty and respect, it saddens me to say that Marcos is no longer with POD. Never have we imagined P.O.D. without him. But we now know this vision is bigger than the four of us. Oh, God always has a plan. Amen. God that. always has a fucking plan. Just things work out because God had a fucking plan. They got to figure it out. They have him on his side. <laughs> That's, what, <laughs> That's what it is. Is they have God on, on their they side. They have God on their side. That's what it is. You've got it figured out. Up until a point. <laughs> well, Curiel would go on to dispute this directly by saying that he was ousted from the band for... I love this. Not being a true Christian. This is so rock and roll. Good for him. It is pretty rock and roll. I wonder what their criteria was. We're going to get into that a little bit. So part of that criteria was starting side projects and more specifically, (laughs) more specifically starting side projects with non-Christians. Sacrilege. Sacrilege. And, and. Dude, these these non-Christian bands, this is actually verbiage that their fans would use on like POD forums and like God Christian God forums. They would call these bands party bands. <gasps> yeah. Yes. You know those party bands? Yeah, that's uh, their their devout Christian core called about them. Beer? <laughs> Sing about beer and holding hands. Oh well, in this same wonderful, illustrious 2003 MTV.com article, we cite so many excellent sources throughout this show because some folks, spoiler alert, some of these scripts are already written before we do them. And it's just, I'm just cite, citing MTV.com is just so, I don't know. Bro. <laughs> Where, where are who are we what are we where are we how isn't that interesting i'm referencing mtv.com on a podcast isn't that interesting 
How about that? Well, in the same 2003 MTV article, Curiel would slam POTIs. You don't have to have anything for that. Curiel <laughs> put you in a hard place there. Curiel would slam POD saying, quote, the thing that's really bugging me out about this email, but <laughs> this email is bugging me out too, buddy. Curiel would say, quote, the thing that's really bugging me out is this email is portrayed all holy and shit. Curiel would go on to explain how the email ended with the phrase, please continue, sorry, sorry, quote, please continue to keep P.O.D. and Marcos, and Marcos, separately, passive aggressive shit, please continue to keep P.O.D. and Marcos in your prayers, all our love is yours, be blessed. Amen to that. If, if hashtags were a thing in 2003, that be blessed would have been, been a such fucking douchebags. It would have been a fucking hashtag be blessed. It would have been hashtag prayers, <laughs> hashtag love, and there, hashtag blessed. There Those would have been, been all the hashtags. There would have been prayer emojis in that. It would have been a prayer emoji laden oh, tweet with a be blessed hashtag. And I, I hate that. That's this just fucking goody two-shoes bullshit of like not only saying please keep us in your prayers but and marcos too the guy that like you know we're low-key throwing under the bus and whatever here and you know when we kicked him out we're saying he left of his own accord yeah keep him in our prayers and your whatever see i'm gonna get hung up on this i gonna get angry at these type of people folks and eventually i don't want to give the content warning away folks but there's a pretty big content warning this folks these people this is the first, okay, sidebar, I'm going to be real, this is the first band, we only got four episodes in, this is the first band where I've not fallen in love with this band on some level. Fuck this band. Yeah. I, this song is great, but fuck, fuck this band! The story does get worse and worse. The story gets so much worse, and there's going to be one song in particular that we discuss in the technical analysis with a message that is so horrifying and so poorly articulated. I'm not going to give the content warning away, folks, but there is a content warning. It's going to piss you off. You're going to be pissed off. I want you to brace yourselves now to be pissed off later because it's going to happen. Anyway, speaking of being pissed off, Curiel was pretty also fucking pissed off. I'm killing you with the segues right now. Curiel was also pretty fucking pissed off about that email and the please keep us in your prayers. Because Curiel said, quote, I hate that. That's one of the main differences we had is philosophy. They're putting that out because they know the, their market and, and they know, they know what the kids are going to say about all that. So what did P.O.D. do then? It's some fucking bullshit. P.O.D. then recruited new and very Christian guitarist, a fellow named Jason Truby, formerly of Christian... This is a phrase I hate that I, I, I have, will ever be saying. Jason Truby, formerly of... They, they exist. Of Christian death metal band. I hated saying that. Christian death metal band Living Sacrifice. The band then released 2003's kind of self-titled album, Payable on Death. 
<laughs> now, this is, this is where the story gets fun, folks. We just get to see some wonderful hypocrisy in action. Oh, and a little, some, and a little racialism, a little racialism. Christians are fun people. Anyway, payable on death, ironically, drew the ire of the Christian community. <laughs> because just such Christians are such tolerant, open-minded, and accepted people who don't remotely care about what other folks do with their lives and bodies and 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 what choices they make in terms of art, right? Let's talk about how the Christians reacted to this album, Payable on Death. Roughly 85% of Christian bookstores, because that's where Christian people bought their music in 2003, I suppose. And their death metal, yeah. <laughs> and their death metal and new metal, yeah, exactly. Well, these Christian bookstores, 85% of them across the country banned the album because of its, quote, occultist cover. Okay. <laughs> Let's not fuck around. This was racist. This was white conservative Christians being racist. There is absolutely nothing occultist or satanic about the cover. It shows what, what the cover does show is a Jesus figure as a butterfly with his arms crossed and wearing a crown. But you know what is noteworthy about this? It's the art style, which is 100% informed by the iconic and immeasurably influential art style pioneered and showcased in countless issues of the legendary Teen Angel zine. And for the folks at home, anybody who just doesn't know, <laughs> let, let me educate you, right? I mean, <laughs> look into it on your own and, and learn about what folks from the culture actually have to say, but allow me to at least give you a primer and tell you Teen Angels is a very important piece of the Mexican-American story, specifically in California, specifically in Southern California, where P.O.D. is specifically from. The art found in those pages influences design choices throughout the world to this very day, and it will continue to. So yes, this is me editorializing, but that artwork is directly inspired by that, and that's what these people who banned it are reacting to. This is not occult imagery, this is Mexican imagery, this is Mexican-American imagery. Now, maybe these good Christian bookstore, <laughs> these good Christian bookstore folks, didn't even fully understand what they were afraid of with this art, as ignorance often goes. But their unfounded fear wasn't a result of satanic imagery. That ain't here. Yeah, it's not satanic. It's not fucking satanic. It's like, come the fuck on. But anyway, remember when I said this whole drama was going to be short-lived ultimately? Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are, 2004. Original guitarist Curiel was deep into a lawsuit... I just want to make sure we have the markers clear because this is going to come. This is going to come around quick. 2004, Curiel was deep into a lawsuit against Pod, disputing songwriting royalties, and it is safe to say that feelings were still pretty damn hard, as the content of much of the new music of of Curiel's new band's material was about breaking free from institutionalized religious brainwashing. But <laughs> God has a plan. God has a fucking plan. God has a motherfucking plan, or so they say, because by 2006, Jason Truby of Christian death metal band Living Sacrifice was out 
lawsuits were settled, and Curiel was back in POD. In a statement made by the band's manager on their MySpace page, because now we've gone, th- we've gone from 2003 emails to fans to 2006 MySpace page updates. That's uh, the timeline. Isn't that progress? Yeah, we learned something. Now all Isn't those, that progress? Now all those posts are gone. There's any Gen Z or Gen Alpha kids listening. Aren't you just so sad you didn't grow up then? When you got emails from the lead singer of P.O.D. and then MySpace updates from their manager. Aren't you just so sad you weren't around then and had a Motorola flip razor on which you couldn't check any of that anyway? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those were the days. Those those were the days. I'm going to post that to my Facebook group about how how children aren't with it and don't understand. Anyway, moving on. uh, (laughs) I got to finish this grand plan of God. In a statement made by the band's manager on their MySpace page in 2006, it was officially announced on December 30th, 2006, that Jason Truby had left the band. The statement read, quote, Oh my God, I forgot that this was the quote. You can't even, you can't make this shit up. This is the fucking quote. This is the quote. This is how the quote begins. Quote, God worked it out. <laughs> God worked it out because Truby decided to leave the band the same day. I can't. This is so stupid. This is so stupid and transparent. Okay. Quote, God worked it out because Truby decided to leave the band the same day Curiel asked to rejoin. Oh, wow. Amen. Isn't that phenomenal how things just work out like that? Things don't just work out. God works them out. God, you're right. You're right. You're they don't right. just work out. No. And I guess another thing that God worked out was the fact that the lawsuits between Curiel and P.O.D. ended in 2006 before he happened to rejoin the band. How not that interesting? How about that? Mm. I guess that was all part of God's plan. He just worked it out. Am I right? Thank God. <laughs> it's really a great example how church and state aren't separated in this country yet, right? <laughs> God's settling lawsuits for people. <laughs> this is, I am not going to get into it, folks, because this is an episode where we can, and eventually we're going to talk about things where we maybe really can get into it. But this is a Christian country. Don't let it get, don't keep you folks at home, get it twisted. This is a Christian country. You have to be Christian to be president. Listen, we're not going to get into this. We're not going to get into this. We're not going to get into this. We're not going to do this. Folks, this isn't a political show, but this is not not a political show in that way you say, this is not a political show when you're, you know, secretly (laughs) QAnon. So, you know, big surprise if you didn't get it already, folks. If you don't like me at this point, or even Jerry, and he's kind of nice, especially in this episode, you probably shouldn't listen to this show. I'm feeling nice today. You are being very nice today. You're being really nice today. Well... Anyway, now, uh, we're going to truncate a lot of shit because basically the rest of their career is pretty fucking mundane, and I don't usually do this. Usually I'm really anal about, like, I need we need to tell a band's complete story. Like, this will be the hardcore history of, of bullshit music criticism, but uh, 
their story sucks. So we're not going to tell the rest of it because it's just them continuing to be whack and become more and more niche. Uh, I can sum it up like this. Uh, they'd spend the rest of the 2010s uh, continuing to grind and play to their fan base. On really absurd, like very time-specific and genre-specific bills, like with Papa Roach and Buck Cherry and Puddle of Mud. They just, like, became a caricature of themselves at that time. They played with, like, Three Doors Down and Three Days Grace. Wow. And and they even played some shows with Fozzie. <gasps> we just keep dropping teasers and hints because, folks, that, that might be <laughs> something to keep in the back of your head. Oh, what have I become? What have I become? Yeah, they really, wow, that's a pretty abysmal, they just like did the rounds. They were just going through the motions, like we're oh, just yeah. going to play with, we're going to play with the boys. We're going to play with the yeah, guys. Yeah. We're going to go on tour and have fun with the guys and, um, you know, do a lot of questionable things. Yeah, they did that. Well, that's how they spent the 2010s, and they also just kept becoming less and less pop and more and more niche in all ways. They would release four more records, uh, which is just as many as they released in their 2000s pinnacle. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I mean, <clears throat> they're grinding that XP. Whatever. Go for the good for them. Uh, their most recent release was 2018's Circles, which is a good uh, <clears throat> metaphor for where they're going. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're making jokes here. Running in circles. The first, hey, thank you, thank the you, first yeah. ho horrible track on that record is uh, it's called Rockin' with the Best. Oh, so at least my we know God. what they thought about themselves. Oh my God. That is like what that is. The, that is the majority of the content of Sonny Sandoval's lyrics. Yeah. Here you are, rocking with the best. Oh, man. We're going to unfortunately, we're going to get into that more in just a little bit, folks. Um, so, yeah, just to really bring this all home, if it sounds like we just dashed the rest of their career away and focused primarily on the drama. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, with this one, that's what we did. This, yeah, they don't really, yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's not going to happen moving forward because, you know, I promise you there's other stories far more worth telling. But yeah, with, with this one, yeah, we just, yeah, fuck them. And and that's, we we just, we gave you the best bits. We gave it's you. That's all you needed. Yeah, that's really. every, gave you a better, we gave you Cliff Notes Plus. Is what it was. Sure. Really. Yeah. Yeah. That's and what our show is. Hypnos <laughs> Plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We gave you guys the fun bits. Anyway, let's go into the song's creation. Live was released in June 2001 as the lead single for POD's commercial breakthrough and major label sophomore album, Satellite. Satellite was produced by Howard Benson, mixed by Chris Lord... Uh, Algae. But do you know that? No, I don't know how to spell it. That's not the way Algae spelled. <laughs> That's not the way that Algae spelled, I know, but... 
<laughs> I don't mean to make your name. Into Sometimes a you just need to read a word and you just need to make a decision. You just need to go with it. Just, yeah, just yeah. go this with it. Just algae. commit to it. Chris Lord Algae. Oh, Chris Lord Algae. All right. So it was mixed by Chris Lord Algae and mastered. Alg. Fuck you, man. Alga. Which do you think it is? Chris Lord Alga. Chris Lord Aggle. Chris Lord, Lord Aggle. <laughs> yeah. Chris Lord Lord Aggle. Oh, Lord no, Aggle. The G, the, yeah. This is not good. We have to move forward. <laughs> Christopher, I am so sorry. An audience at home. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm sorry you had to listen to that. Chris Lord Alge edited it, and it was mastered by a fellow named Ted Jensen. As always, the people who produce, mix, and master this stuff tend to have incredibly interesting careers. So please feel free to check them out. Or, I don't know, let us know. Do you want to hear us dedicate time in each episode to fleshing out the careers of producers, mixers, and mastering engineers? Tell us. I don't know. Bad, bad, great song at Gmail. Dot com at BBJS show on Twitter, but <laughs> fuck Twitter, bad band, great song on Instagram and Facebook. If you're, you know, <laughs> you know, alt right. <laughs> that's what the platform's for at this point. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, the, I I use Facebook a lot, but I am a 34 year old millennial, so there you go. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah, I've I've updated my profile picture this year and everything. Wow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> by the way, folks at home, you're welcome. You're welcome. I know you need, I know. I know. You won't want it. <laughs> now you don't need to include that on the Q&A. <laughs> Look at yeah, that. Exactly. Just, just clearing those things up for you. Alive was written by POD and only POD. All four members have songwriting credits. So that's something we always see there. Well, it's kind of a you know, well, kind of nice, nice point. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Sonny Sandoval, however, <sighs> Sonny penned the lyrics. Mm. Sandoval cites a powerful moment with his daughter as being the inspiration for the song. Sandoval says he looked at her one day while driving home with her, and he finally saw himself in her. He recognized his own features. And he had a revelatory and religious moment. He felt the spirit, as it were. It's so funny. It's like, did, has he never seen like a parent with their child before? And it was like, oh, like they look similar. But clearly, dude, it's it's, so it's insane. Funny. I, you know, it's incredible. It's incredible. The the credits that this man gives to things that are clearly works of man. And he's yeah. like, oh, no, that was God. And just natural occurrences. Thank God. Oh, yeah, this is how I got here. But holy shit, how did my daughter, like, how did that happen? Well, he came through a woman's womb, but his daughter came from a stork, obviously, right? A stork, right, stork, yeah, yeah, exactly. Immaculate conception stork. Exactly, exactly. Those life bringer birds. All right, we're gonna let's get, <laughs> let's get into the critical. Storks are they are strange animals. All right, let's get into. I could talk about birds all day. All right, let's get into the critical reaction, commercial impact, chart success, and fan response. Shall we? Birds aren't real. <laughs> this is becoming one of those podcasts. Hey, hey, <laughs> we're just asking questions. <laughs> we're just asking questions over here. Birds aren't real? 
I w- was the that a question? F- honestly, the frogs are making us gay because I downloaded a frog once and then I downloaded Grinder not far after that. It's weird, right? What? It's an what? Alex, Alex Jones joke. I don't know. Is it maybe? Hopefully that's maybe far enough past uh, behind us that actually that makes no sense to anybody. Uh, not me. <sighs> Critical reaction. Satellite. <laughs> that was smooth, right? Yeah. Satellite was, gener- was generally very well reviewed for some strange reason. Most reviews put it in the three or four out of five star range. And I, and I, right. I, I do. I do want to be clear. I do have grinder, but it has nothing to do with a frog. I've actually never even. I don't even know if I've born and raised in New York City. Man, I don't think I've. I don't know if I've ever met a frog. I think there's frogs in Central Park. Yeah, but I've not like. I don't think I've ever like you know like said hello to one and spent time with one. Yeah, I mean, but I've seen mad frogs. Like I know I've seen mad frogs. I've never said hello or spent time with one. Point counterpoint. Moving on. Commercial impact. <laughs> satellite. Satellite was a true breakthrough. Thanks almost entirely to Alive. Though there were, of course, other singles, as we talked about. Youth of the Nation is arguably the bigger song. So, if folks at home, yeah, folks at home, you were like, well, "What about Youth of the Nation?" They're like, "We are, we are, we are, we are." Yes, it's a bigger song, certainly worldwide, but, but, actually, as I push my glasses, which I am actually wearing up, alive, alive is the song. That made them. Alive is the song that allowed the other singles to even become as big as they were. Alive is the song that catapulted Satellite to becoming three times platinum. Chart success. Alive was a massive hit on the charts. Not not entirely in terms of heights reached, but in terms of breadth of appeal, longevity, and also its peak positions. Sort of. Kind of not, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. It's no closing time, but we'll see. Alive was on the charts across the world from 2001 to 2002, a single that raged for a full year. Its overall peak position was number one on the UK rock and metal chart. That was its highest spot worldwide. Domestically, it topped out at number 41 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. So that was its highest placement in what you know, the most mainstream U.S. chart. Right. However, it did reach number four on the Billboard uh, U.S. mainstream rock chart and number two on Billboard's U.S. alternative airplay chart because those are such... Mm. such... Important charts. Important charts. I love love billboard charts, really. I'm never going to get over their naming conventions. Anyway, moving on. Fan response. Yeah, I don't have a lot here. Live is just an absolute absolute (laughs) anthem. (laughs) I really went light on this segment. Alive is an absolute anthem, and that's because it is. It's catchy. It's simple. It is straightforward. It is a song that still to this day, how almost, almost actually... A full 20 years later at this point. Right? What are we, like 18 years away? 2021 came out in 2003? Yeah. To this day, this is still how P.O.D. closes their sets. So wow. this is their, I mean, you know. It's really relatable as that like anyone that hears it is alive. Wow. Wow. So that's like a, that's a great. 
it is that really has broad appeal in that way, isn't it? Yeah, it has yeah. broad appeal that anyone that hears it is uh, is also alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really great way <laughs> to make art, is to make it relatable in some way. And that, folks at home, is a key insight from Bad Band Great Song. You tell your kids that. It's true. Educate them. All right, let's move on. Let's get... <laughs> Because you like wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, like cool, I'm alive. Oh, it's like, oh yeah, POD, <laughs> POD. I remember they're alive too. <laughs> let's, get, let's get this. Let's get this. We got to end this episode. We can't do this. Oh, segment three. What makes this band bad? I don't even. Oh man, like how do I, how, oh God, oh man, where do I even begin, I know where to begin, they're fucking Christian rock, right, that's it, that's literally it, I don't need any more ammo, that's it, right, I don't need to say anything else, this is fucking bullshit religious crap. Well, I mean, we should probably elaborate a little bit on that, you know, just that's like what the whole sh- our whole show is about. That's Maybe actually that's actually a good that's actually a good point. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's elaborate. You know, folks. Before we do, I just want to say it's never easy to actually credibly articulate why a band is bad, especially if you're making the case that they're objectively bad. Hell, there are people who are fans of Maroon 5 and consider themselves to be elitist music so- snobs. I, I swear, they're, they're definitely out there and they're people we know. I think, I mean, I think you know him. I know, I know one. Maybe I know one. I'm going to bleep his name. I'm going to bleep his name. Not with a real bleep. <laughs> Do you know Maybe. Face no. friend? I guess I'm gonna have to bleep his name too now. <laughs> Just That's to, so funny. yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> friend. <laughs> <laughs> Put you oh, to work. Oh, oh, I bet you loved that, folks. At I, home. Lo- I loved that more than anyone. Yeah, I'm gonna love that. Oh man. And hey, listen, I will. I will give it this to uh, you if you're a POT fan. I guess uh, upon cursory consumption. POD's music is fine? Mm. No, don't get me wrong. I wrote that and I hate myself for saying that. <laughs> I'm so upset that I fucking said that. But listen, the, the fact of the matter is the deeper you dig, the more you recognize how excruciatingly bland the music is and how intellectually bankrupt vocalist Sonny Sandoval and his lyrics actually are. Let's get this out of the way. Marcos Curiel, Wolf Bernardo, and Trey Daniels are all fantastic musicians. More specifically, Trey Daniels is an awesome bassist. I, personally, I, I could I watch him play bass all day. He's fucking awesome. His, his tastes and styles are rooted in funk, uh, but he, he plays with a heaviness and aggression that you need for hard rock. And yeah, you know, funk coming through and hard rock isn't exactly some previously unheard revelation, but he does it pretty excellent. Does he have any other projects? I don't. I, you know, I no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. I think everybody in POD is just in POD because, again, Marcos Curiel got kicked out for starting fucking side projects. Yeah, specifically non-Christian ones, but starting side projects. Right. Not a good look. 
not a good look with uh, the POD. <laughs> well, beyond all that, <laughs> vocalist Sonny Sandoval, vocalist Sonny Sandoval, vocalist Sonny Sandoval, vocalist Sonny Sandoval is bad. He's bad. He is a bad on the spectrum of bad. He, <laughs> yeah, well, he is definitely on the spectrum of bad. <laughs> he is a bad rapper. He's yeah. a he's a mediocre singer. If that, uh, he is an abysmal lyricist. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but of course, Pod stands will fight you on Sonny's rapping skills, comparing him and placing him above legitimate rappers whose entire careers have been built solely on their supreme technical skills, cunning and engaging wordplay, and innate pop sensibilities. Uh, Folks, (laughs) we're going to play a game. Folks at home, I want you to consider your favorite rapper right now. Your personal favorite and whomever you believe is the best rapper right now best technical rapper right now got it mm-hmm. okay there are pod stands who will tell you that sunny sandoval is better at rapping and writing and delivering fucking bars better than your favorite rapper and actual rappers whom you are considering who have built their careers on being actual fucking rappers Rappers. Rappers. POD fans will tell you Sonny Sandoval is better at writing and delivering raps. Raps. Than rappers. But, well. I don't know if they're called raps. (laughs) 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 Or it just didn't sound right when you said it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's with the quotes of the kids doing They write raps. You write a rap. Yeah, he writes raps. He writes rap. Yeah, well, I'm just listen. I just talk in such a way that lets everybody know how clued in and and cool and aware I am into raps. You and how how into raps I am. <laughs> but about raps, okay? About let's talk about raps and let's talk about Sonny Sandoval's rapping. He doesn't write bars. His lyrics are awful. He's either rattling off run-of-the-mill, quote, spiritual positivity, or he's dropping bombastic, stereotypical, machismo-laden brag raps, talking about how he's the best and unparalleled and hardcore and how P.O.D. is here. <laughs> so listen up. He does that He does that uh, DJ Khaled thing. That's exactly... We the best music. That is exactly what he's doing. That is exactly POD is here, so listen up. So many POD songs is that. We the best. There's a lot of piss poor bragging done on POD songs. Meaningless boasting and inarticulate and embarrassingly boneheaded bad takes. Like. (sighs) Fuck. Okay, folks, this is. (laughs) This is the content. This is the content warning, folks. This is the. This is... Oh, my God. This is where you're going. If you're a good person... Let me me preface (laughs) this. If you're a good person, you're going to start to get angry. And I am so upset that I'm about to say this phrase, and it's going to be on on record, on record. But this is an example of how bad POD takes get. They have a song called 
Oh, it's God. Oh, my God. The song is called Abortion is Murder. I think if you, like, wanted to avoid people taking it out of context, you needed to not give a great pause before and a great after for really easy editing. Yeah, well, I didn't think... I didn't consider consider that well. And I I don't think I would ever just say it. I think you have to sing it and be like, Abortion is murder. You have to always. You always have to be. Abortion is murder. Abortion But that's kind of that. Then no one can just be like. That was sounding cool though, and that message can't be cool. Well, so (sighs) it's a horrible message, and somehow it's horrible fucking message. It's their best, like uh, I think it's their best songwriting. What? uh, No, no, I'm joking. Yeah, I was like, "Where the fuck is that gonna go? How the fuck are you?" Because I'm about to. Folks at home, don't worry. I am. uh, I I didn't want to recite any of the lyrics, but I'm going to. This is sing them. This is the. I am not going to sing them. So, folks, this is the real fucking content warning. If you don't want to hear people say offensively stupid things uh, about. About uh, about abortion and a woman's right to choose, then I'm sorry. You, I don't know. Cover your ears for a bit. Uh, kids, definitely put your parents to home. Put, 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 put your parents your to bed. Parents this is not home. put your parents now. to home and put your parents to bed. This is not this is not friend family friendly coming up here. This is not good content. This is this is angering content. And I'm going to pick apart how it's actually stupid as fuck. It, it's it's remarkably stupid. So the lyrics to the song, the hook, the chorus, whatever the fuck it is, it is, quote, Abortion is murder. There's nothing you can say or do to justify the fact that there's a living, breathing being inside of you. And he repeats that. That's it. That's the chorus. That is how he seeks to support Thesis. I am gonna. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna say it again because it, I don't know if it's settled in with you all yet about how fucking stupid this is. But I'm gonna break it down because it's phenomenally stupid. Keep in mind, he's anti-abortion. He's anti-choice. He's anti-choice. And consider that, and consider the consider the literal meaning of his words. Abortion is murder. There's nothing. There's nothing you can say or do to justify. The fact that there's a living, breathing being inside of you. Oh my God. I don't know where to begin. I, 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 I guess, I, I, guess I'm, I will say that his poorly written words uh, betray just how muddy and confused his own thought process is. His argument is that abortion is actually murder. And he follows that up by telling you that you cannot say anything to, quote, justify the, quote, fact that there's a living, breathing being inside of you. What? What? I, do, do you know what it means to justify something? Sonny Sandoval, do you understand what you said and what you did not say with those lyrics? 
You, you, Sonny Sandoval, I think you meant excuse or disregard, not justify. You meant excuse or disgust or maybe even apologize for it. I'm disgusted I'm giving you this right here. But no, Sonny, you fucking idiot. You have told me and all the women whom you have verbally abused with this song, you have told us, you have told us that there is, this is what the meaning of those lyrics are. There's nothing you can say or do to justify the fact that there's a living, breathing, be okay, the, the meaning of that? is Sonny, you have told us that there is no way for us to justify the fetus is living. You're the anti-abortion one, Sonny! Right, Like, right. Sonny, do you understand what you said? He does not. Sonny, you fucking idiot! Yes, he is. Oh, my God. Also, fetuses don't breathe. Not in the way. Not in the way, I'm sure, Sonny. Sandoval thinks fetal breathing. That's hilarious. Fetal breathing is a very specific process that does not involve actual airflow in the fetus. And I'm certain that Sonny Sandoval does not know that and did not know that. I'm sure he never put that shit together. So I, I, none of that they, fucking makes sense. How do they breathe in there? How do you breathe in a womb? He's like, he's like, well, there's, it's an opening, so I guess air gets yeah. in there, right? I breathe through your womb. Wow, that was actually kind of more clever than I think he'd be capable of. Anyway, I just got to make something clear before we bring this part of it to a close. Sonny, I fucking hate you, man. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you almost as much as you clearly hate women and fucking freedom. Oh. You piece of fucking shit, man. I fucking hate you, dude. I would fucking fight you, man. I would, I would fucking fight you to the death, even if it meant I'm the one who dies, man. Because I, I would know. I would know that it was a good time well spent fucking fighting you, Sonny Sandoval. You fucking idiot. Well, God has a plan for that, so... God, do, God does have a plan to it. And luckily, I'm good at fucking plans up. I actually really love making plans. I kind of have like a plan fetish. I'm like into making plans yeah, and seeing them plan. through and not letting dip people down and not flaking on plans at all. I'm actually, I have a lot of respect for plans. <sighs> okay. Okay. Let's make some more plans. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Sonny does have an appealing voice and um, kind of a strong voice, I guess. It has character, but even he is highly aware of his own limitations. In a 2014 interview for their Acoustic Soul Sessions album, <laughs> great name for their, their acoustic album, Soul Sessions, I've loved this band so fucking much. Sandoval recounts in this interview for this album, he recounts how he never, ever wanted to perform a live acoustically because he couldn't sing it. Hmm. He intellectually and physically did not understand how to sing his own song in any fashion other than screaming and at full voice. Okay, if I, if folks at home, if you're like, why, why is that? Why does it make him bad, man? Why are you, why are you bring that up as an argument for why it's bad? I'm gonna explain it. I'm gonna explain it because that's what we do on the show. I explain things. I'm bad. I, I am a. Bad. 
I'm bad. I'm a terrible singer. I'm an awful singer. And one uh, of terrible. Thank you, Cherry. Oh, I love you. You're such a good friend. You lift me up. You say nice things. Oh, tell me I'm cute. You mm. are. Said I was hot on my birthday. You just thank you. You were looking really hot. Thanks. I try. Anyway, I try. I try really hard. But, but folks, despite how hard I try, I'm a bad singer. And part of what makes me a bad singer is that I have that problem. It is hard for me to sing quietly because I don't have good tone. I don't have good control of my voice when I'm trying to sing. It is physically difficult for me not to sing in a shouty, full voice way that is actually wrong and detrimental. This is part of being bad. Sonny Sandoval is bad. He is, at the very least, not a master of his craft. You know, and guess what? Guess what? My boy, guitarist Marcos Curiel, he feels similarly. After his initial split from the band and uh, talking about his new band singer, <laughs> reference MTV.com again, Curiel told MTV.com, quote, I'm pretty stoked that Pete's got a voice. I'm not used to that. Oh, shots fired. Because <laughs> in POD, it was a different school, uh, which was a lot of screaming and rapping. Now, it, it's fun, I think it's funny to pick that, that quote apart because in, in it, Curiel said this while he was split from the band, and then he lauds, he celebrates his new vocalist for the quality of his voice, but he supports that quality not by overtly shitting on Sandoval, but just by simply saying that P.O.D. featured rapping and screaming a different style. He's, he's being really polite, but he is also saying that Sandoval can't fucking sing. Which he can't. Agreed. <laughs> I, I just you know think it's interesting how 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 polite little cow cagey he's being, you know he didn't out he said Sandoval can't sing but he didn't say because he sucks which is the truth he just said he can't sing because it is screaming and rapping but just because they're screaming and rapping doesn't mean they can't be singing. Well, isn't aren't they in court during this time also? That's a good point. That is actually a very good point, Jerry. The, oh, wow. Old. Look at those. Look at those expert high-level inferences and deductions being drawn based on the available clues, though they are not explicitly stated. Jeremy. Oh, fuck. Oh, baby. That's what we're here for. Got me excited there, buddy. We're just good friends, folks. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well aside from the standout singles on satellite their songs are bland uh, and muddy and it's just pop hard rock songs that are almost entirely devoid of hooks and memorable moments that's another reason they're bad <laughs> pod's journey started generic as hell and then they became pop stars and now they're generic dude butt rock again Circles, just like their album is called. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and perhaps now they're more generic than they ever were. You know, since they're older and and more chilled out. Perhaps also because they're more niche than ever, since they really haven't had a hit in over a decade. And thankfully, 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 conservative Christianity has thankfully fallen further away from the mainstream. 
Yeah, now there's only like three Christian rock radio stations. <laughs> like eight. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And sure, they're still putting out music and they definitely still have their fans as the YouTube video for abortion is murder as comment section will tell you and show you. Abortion is murder. Please don't, folks, don't don't go to that YouTube video. <laughs> <sighs> but as I said, they went from underground niche to pop stars back to being niche. And now we get to everyone's favorite way to shit on POD, because I had to include this. Their Christian rage, right? As in rage against the machine. Mm. Uh, I know, mm. right? Like, you know, I would love... I would, love, I would actually really love to lean into this, but it's just not a fair criticism. And I think I'm going to call racialism again. I think it's kind of racist. It's lazy, at least. It's intellectually lazy, you know, because both bands are rock-based, funk-influenced bands. Um, and, you know, sure, but perhaps even more salient is, is their singer, right? And a singer stand out. And both of their frontmen are men of Mexican heritage who have dreadlocks. So I think people look at that and then finally probably hear some of the music and they're like, oh, P.O.D. is rage. Faster. Yeah, that's just... Faster than the last song I heard. It's so lazy. It's such a stupid fucking lazy thing to say. But even though they don't sound alike, because I'm sure we've all listened to their discographies, I know I have, even though they don't actually sound alike, you know, it'd be kind of like comparing death metal bands. Like, are there similarities? Sure. But are they the same bands? No, absolutely not. But even though all of that is true, P.O.D. fucks that up for themselves and for me trying to make, make this fucking argument on their behalf, which I can't believe I'm doing. Because eight fucking albums deep into their discography, on the album, Murdered Love, which is just a vile, strange sound name for an album to think about, but on the album Murdered Love's track On Fire, Sound of All Raps, I was born raging against the machine <laughs> before Rage Against the Machine. Mm. Right? If now, only Rage Against the Machine knew that. <laughs> <laughs> well, spoiler, needless to say, this song is bad. Lyrics are just more of that hollow, macho, braggadocious bullshit. We the best music. Exactly. The kind of lyrics that come from your, you know, other head, not the one with your brain. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a dick that's joke, a dick folks. Joke. I'm making, I'm that's a dick joke. Making dick jokes. We're going, we're going, we're going out strong on this show. We're, as we're getting close to the episode's end. We're just making dick jokes now. It's getting dark. It really is. Uh, I mean, like outside, dick jokes aren't dark. They're great. It's actually getting dark outside. Good point, yeah. Jerry. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, dicks great are wonderful. Night. <sighs> and about that, what makes this song great? Well, let's start with a little bit of some technical insight. I love you. I love you. Let's get into this and bring this horse home. Okay. <laughs> you can bring a horse home, but you can't teach it to drink. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can bring a horse home, but you can't teach it to make love to your wife. That's that's it, it needed to be a sex joke. Yeah, it's a very good sex joke. Yeah, you can bring a horse home, but I can't teach it to fuck my wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's so fucking funny. I don't know why it's, it's actually good. I like it. Oh man. All right. Let's talk about this song. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about this song. This song. Okay. <laughs> this song is about. What have we been doing? <laughs> no, we've been talking about the band. I got it. We've been talking uh, about the band. We've been talking about the band. Yeah, but now we're going to talk All about right, the song uh, and what makes it great. So this song. From a technical standpoint, from a roughly technical standpoint, asking you to use that word liberally, folks, from a technical analysis standpoint, we're going to get into it here. This song is about immediacy. It's about religious and existential ecstasy. That's actually what the song is about. Oh, but definitely, you know, mostly religious ecstasy, clearly. Alive was written, performed, and produced to be a jolt of easily felt and understood emphatic adrenaline that's achieved by, by keeping things simple, constant, and impactful. The song is simple, right? The riff is very di direct, and it can be played by anyone. That's great. That's an awesome thing. The melody is very simple as well, as is the chorus. And relatable. And relatable. It totally is. Again, if you're alive, this song is about you. Right. And, <laughs> and if, if you could hear this song, if you, can hear you this are song, alive. Exactly. It's a good way to know if you're alive. If you can hear this song, then you're definitely alive. <laughs> um, that's like my uh, spinning top, you know? That's your totem. Yeah, exactly. And if you feel alive, chances are you are alive. Um, so <laughs> further on that, the song's energy never dips. The song is not about shifting dynamics. The only place we get that is the bridge, which is a place for shifting dynamics. So at least they did it there. Uh, and the pummeling, heavy but not too heavy, mind you, folks, riff, along with the vowel-laden, wide-open, and anthemic chorus, all come together to create something that has actual impact on listener. And if you're like, well, what the fuck are you talking about vowels? And what do the vowels have? What do vowels have to do with anything? We're gonna get into that. Give me time. Let me ease into it. We're going to get there, though. I promise there's going to be a payoff to the absurd and bizarre stuff you're hearing me say. So, talking about simple. The hook here is the riff, and the riff is also the verse. This riff here is a lot, and that doesn't always happen when a single riff is the riff that you hear for uh, uh that in, introduces itself before the verse, it happens during the verse, and it's also the hook of the song. Uh, and, and when it does happen, it definitely isn't always great. Uh, and, you know, at home, you're like, what? No, no, all riffs are hooks, man. All, all riffs are hooks. No. No. They're not. They're not. Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction album is a very good example of that, where the riff, which is the main part of the song, usually has a... A, a lead guitar part like a melodic lead guitar part played higher up on the neck and on the higher strings as the actual hook of the song it's usually not some chunky riff that is a little more Pantera is a band like that where hook of their song is that riff which introduces itself for the verse and definitely is also the verse chunky <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> but here, P.O.D., specifically guitarist Marcos Curiel, my boy, crafted a powerful, visceral, I just love how not Christian he is, powerful, visceral, muscular, and most importantly, memorable riff 
based almost entirely on power chords or, or fifth chords. So again, anybody can play this. And the tuning appears to be in drop C, so you know, fingering is a little easier too. Anybody can play this. And in keeping with that simplicity, we have Sonny Sandoval's moment in the chorus. We come from a pummeling riff and rapped verses to large, resounding chords and soaring, wide, open vocals. You see what I'm doing there, folks? Those vowels? We're going we're gonna to get into that. We're going to get into that. So this song doesn't have much in the way of shifting dynamics, but it does have excellent and effective contrast between the verses and choruses. And about Sonny's vocals here, this is a great moment of sound matching sense. This is a very technical thing. It used to be very prevalent in old pop songs in Broadway. The sense or meaning of his lyrics are about feeling alive. The meaning is about feeling a deep and ecstatic life-affirming jubilation. So if we look at songs like their, you know, uh, bits of theater where these four-minute pop songs are the most insane, important, and heightened moments in the singer and the band's lives, and that's why we're witnessing it. These extreme, extreme moments of, of violent and hyper-reality, it helps us buy into the reality of the song, if we, if we look at songs like that. And in this moment, Okay, this is what is happening in the reality of this song. In this moment, a man is belting out on his knees how he feels so alive with zealous, galvanized, grateful, in a very religious way, and explosive ecstasy. Now, now here's where we get to the, vo the vowel stuff. When it comes to language, what might, from a technical perspective, actually allow a singer, to properly communicate all this ecstasy. I'll tell you. Vowel-heavy words. Aye. Ah. This is a hallmark, exactly. This is a hallmark of great writing, specifically character writing. Any good playwright and screenwriter will tell you, in moments of heightened emotion, write dialogue rife with vowels. These big open vowel sounds allow sound to travel. They allow for bellowing. They allow vowels for emotion to be expressed. You can't communicate much emotion with a uh, uh, a P, a P, a P, 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 P. Do you like, do you like, do you like that, folks? I don't know. P. Let me really get a real, just, P. 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 Yeah. <laughs> you can't communicate emotion with that sound, folks. You can with an M, though. Yes, an well, M that's a different kind of consonant sound. Mm. So specifically with plosive consonants, like P, B. You, you can't really communicate emotion. Mm. You absolutely can. I forget what the name of, uh, like liquid consonants, I forget what the name of M and N sounds are. Mm. And Z, Z. Mm. Mm. You absolutely, thank you, Varys, you just did very well, Jerry. Are you a theater, mm. you a theater student? You can absolutely mm. communicate emotion with those kind of consonants. Yes, you can. But typically speaking, you would communicate it more easily to communicate all those sorts of extreme emotions with vowel-heavy words. So this is something from a technical standpoint with lyrics. I'm not saying this was purposeful by any means, but it makes sense that Sandoval would naturally have written that because he was... I, he, 
and we'll get into this in the personal analysis, which comes right now, <laughs> right after this. But I, I believe in the emotion of the song, the emotional truth of the song. And I believe Sonny Sandoval believes in the emotional truth of this song. So he naturally was writing these lyrics from a very emotional place. And it, it would make sense that he would give himself essentially words that really allow him to sing out in an emotional way. This is sound matching sense. That's something we're going to talk about a lot more a little bit more, a lot more in the next episode, which is also a little bit of a Christian thing. Give you, give you all folks at home a, a hint. A hint. A hint starts with a, a question, and it's, what have I become? What have I become? Folks at home, that question is a hint. What have I become? The second hint, Lionheart. Lionheart. I don't know if anybody's going to... I didn't know we were I, doing hints. I actually... <laughs> I don't have any hints prepared. <laughs> I and know... also you're giving all the hints at once. Maybe we should spread hints we out. We should spread them the out end. throughout the episode. You're through right. That would have been the effective way of doing it. And yeah. we should have a sound effect that's like, hint. Yeah. <laughs> hint. <laughs> we're going to need you to record. We're going to need to isolate that. And that's the hint sound effect moving forward. All right. Just wait one second. Hint. There it is. That's the noise. There it is. <laughs> That's the noise. Oh man. Well, let's 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 bring this horse home as we tried to with you know Soul Asylum in every episode since. You can bring a horse home. You can't make a fuck my wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke that people tell, right, folks right. at home. That's a joke yeah. you've heard. You can bring you tell you you can bring a horse home, but you can't make a fuck my wife. <laughs> uh, or a joke you've heard now, that's for sure. Definitely a joke you've heard now. You should tell that to everybody at work next day. <sighs> personal analysis. Let's get into that personal analysis. Uh, this, song is, this song is uplifting. It is. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to do the thing that everybody thinks I'm going to do and freak out. I'm just going to say the song is... <laughs> freak out, man. The song is uplifting. It's a good song. It's enjoyable. Um, I actually, I went light on this part too. I usually write a lot more for this stuff. So, uh, folks, this song is simple. This song is straightforward. So, I'm gonna keep this personal reaction straightforward. Uh, it's absolutely everything they want it to be. It really is. It does. It. it it's a corny ass fucking song, and a guy, and a, and a macho ass, uh, anti-choice, clearly anti-feminist, uh, hateful dude like this guy. Who mustn't, who mustn't deal in much nuance in his life? <laughs> making, making huge assumptions about him now. Uh, I, I, you know, something about him just saying, "I feel so alive," just like really gets me going and cracks me up. But again, I believe in the emotional truth of the song. I believe they believe in the emotional truth of the song. I love how fucking gauche and awkward and uncool and just. It's, 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 it's true, it's true, excited and inspired and runaway ecstatic exaltations. It's not about being cool. I get it. And you know what else I'm going to say? This, uh, I think almost makes me sort of feel the bullshit that religion is supposed to make you feel. I don't know. 
I, I, you know, I'll at least say that I wish religion were this pure, that what this song is, how straightforward and pure this song is. I wish loving God and having faith were this straightforward and devoid of literal centuries worth of destroying humanity and teaching people to fear themselves, their bodies, and each other. And I'm getting hung up on things again. I do that. I'm going to tend to do that. But hey, that's not, that's not what religion is. It's not what it is. It's not what it is. But that is what this song is. This song is straightforward, just pure, like, I feel good. And this song really does do it for me. And again, it ain't cool, but it makes the listener feel so much. And I think it's a song that can kind of make your hair stand up. It makes it gives me chills. I know that's corny to say, but this shit is life-affirming. It, it does something similar in a way to my favorite Pantera songs do. And that's, that's it, you know... Phil Anselmo, another questionable fucking guy. But what do I mean by that? It tells a story of determined, heroic, and, and battle-hardened self-actualization. Remove the religious bullshit and the daughter thing. Just to, again, believing the reality of the moment, a man on his knees screaming out, I feel alive, I feel so alive. Some wild shit. I fuck with that. I fuck with that at least on... I fuck with this song at least on that level. This song makes me feel fucking good on that level. This song is about fucking going super saiyan to me. You know what I mean? It's about reaching your final form. It's a song about triumph. And I can't believe I wrote any of that. But I guess I kind of feel that way. How do you, how do you feel, Cherry? Yeah, I mean, uh, it definitely achieves what it's trying to achieve. And you got to give it credit for that least and it does have that feeling you right know, you kind that, of feel the yeah the, i feel he as though he feels alive <laughs> i feel oh, you, you, you. <laughs> no he's got he they, they figured it out in this song and that's what's gonna make that's what makes this song great and that's what's gonna keep this song great for a very very long time is that that they captured this like, oh, this good feeling, that moment where you feel like real alive, whether, you know, during that whatever sentimental moment you want to think of in your own brain where you felt alive most recently, I feel. I feel it. like I was watching you while I was drinking that water there just say all this stuff, and I feel like part of it almost pained you to say, I'm not going to lie. It was nose. It's, it's a nut. A good band. <laughs> it's a really, really bad band. And sometimes it's hard calling calling a song great with knowing the context. How shitty, right. You know, it's always, um, it's always you, you, you know, or we have the full story here. We've just yeah. got the real full story. So then being like, oh yeah, well they did this one great thing. Feels exactly like what I said earlier is like if dedicating an entire podcast to the one good thing Charles Manson, Charles Manson did. Look at your game, girl. <laughs> oh God. Which we may do. We may do. I, we folks yeah. at home, we may end up doing that. So get ready. Yeah. Nah, people love Charlie. People love Uncle Charlie. He's got fans. People are into him. He's got fans. <laughs> he does. But no, but Jerry, you're totally right. And I wanna I wanna take what you just said. And I want to say that is actually, besides addressing critique, besides um, discussing how something bad can create something great, I think the real big arc to this show... So folks at home, pay attention, because you're going to get quizzed on this if you made it, if you made it this way. Uh, um, the real point of this show is actually to, like... It's, it's 
to learn how to look past your own taste to recognize the value in something, right? Because we are saying these bands are bad and then we're supporting that. So you, it's fair to assume we don't really like these bands, but we're still saying that a song there is great and we are still actually arguing for their song being great. So what is the actual message there? The actual message there, the actual exercise of this show is, yeah, you can fucking hate a band, but just because you hate a band doesn't mean you cannot recognize that they've done something great. They've done something that works. They've done something that appeals to other people and there are valid reasons it appeals to people. And you know what? It may even appeal to you. That's the real exercise of this show and that's what we're really doing here and i think that's a little bit of what you were just talking about jerry absolutely what's well, undeniable well i can't deny it <laughs> we feel so alive <laughs> oh my god oh fuck amen can i get an amen amen actually can i just get a man Oh, Amen. oh, there are apps. There are apps for that. Right, uh, right, right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Christian, find me on Christian Mingle, anal fan, 69420. Uh, uh, anyway, no, you can find me on Grindr. My, my, my handle's my first name and my face is in my profile photo. Fuck with your boy. You can't find me. I'm not just, well, that's, that's, that's because you're discreet, Jerry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to put that on you. Anyway, you're not discreet. You're... You just can't find me anywhere, period. Except in bed with your lovely girlfriend. There you go. Anyway, folks, church has adjourned. Is that what, is that what you say when you have churches, when you, I don't know what, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you funny people who believe in magic say to each other when you're done with these things. Oh, folks, say strange be kind and love yourselves because some, somebody's got to. Nobody else does. Somebody's got to. Love yourselves. You have anything you want to say? I got nothing. <laughs> Sometimes you just got nothing. Sometimes you got nothing. Sometimes it's the end. You know what they say? You know what they say? Sometimes they say they say you could you, you can bring a horse home, but you can't make him fuck my wife. Yeah, exactly. Ah, uh, we'll exactly. see you in hell, folks. Later, y'all. <laughs>